Well, good morning to you today. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving meal and day. It was a different Thanksgiving, wasn't it? It was different. But in the different, the goodness of God remains. And we're grateful for that. The words that Hannah read to us from Isaiah 64 are raw. They're raw. And they speak to us at the beginning of this season of Advent powerfully. So let us open up our hearts to what God might have to say to us today. And let me start by asking this question. Have you ever waited in the dark? Maybe it was like a child's game as we did as kids. We would play this game called Chase. I think it was our parents' way of chasing us out of the house to encourage us to play chase. And what we would do is we would try to find the darkest spot where we could hide, where no one else could find us. Uh, Believe it or not, I've found myself hiding in those days in some precarious dark places like underneath my father's truck. One time I forgot to pull the dog out of the doghouse and crawled inside his doghouse and curled up in there and hidden there and, and I kind of wish someone would have found me. It wasn't the most pleasant experience in there. Maybe you found yourself as well hiding in the dark in a child's game of hide and seek as I did, maybe in a closet or in a dark room. Or perhaps it was waiting in the darkness of a hospital room with only the beeping of machines. Or waiting in the darkness of depression, not sure when light would break in. Or maybe waiting in the darkness of your own choices that have robbed you of peace. You see, Christmas begins with this blazing light of a star in the night skies and choirs of angels singing. But today's not Christmas. Today is Advent. Arrival, coming is what the word means. And Advent finds us waiting for the king in the dark. So it seems counterintuitive in some ways to call this first Sunday of Advent Hope Sunday, but that's how we lead off every single Advent season every single year. But you would not think that is the case when you hear the passage that is the Old Testament reading of the day that Hannah read for us earlier and that we're going to look at again. In his words that are raw, a raw lament really, that are, that are almost too close for comfort, Isaiah speaks to us. In Isaiah 64, beginning with verse 5, he asks the question, how then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind our sins sweep us away. And then it's like he looks at his world. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. It seems to me Does it not seem to you that the ancient prophet has been listening in 
on today's world around us? Today's world within us? It begins with this lament. We, we must begin here. If you want to reach Merry Christmas, you must begin here. If we're going to have the Christmas spirit, if we're going to have a genuine, in-the-trenches-of-life Christmas spirit that even shows up in July, we must begin here. Because only a true Christmas spirit can stare into the darkness and there still find hope. My favorite author when it comes to the season of Advent is Fleming Rutledge. And she writes this. Advent teaches us to delay Christmas in order to experience it truly when it comes. Otherwise, the message of Christmas is cheap and false. So I want to ask you today, I want to ask you, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't give in to the temptation. Don't wrap this season of Advent in shiny, sparkling, clean, sanitized ideas of Christmas. This is Advent. This is a season for hard questions. It is the season of lamenting how the world is not what it could be. And at the same time, the season of hope for how Christ the King will someday make it all as it should be. Praise be to God. So this is a season where we hold all of this intention in our hearts. We are tempted to, to wrap Christmas around our broken-hearted grief and our family birth pains and our unhinged angry world. Be careful. Merry Christmas, said with a smile, carefully sculpted to hide. To hide what? Lament? Loneliness? Loss? Unsettledness? Uneasiness? Unfaithfulness? Fear? Failure? And the finality of death? Merry Christmas, a strategy to hide the headlines of the world and the headlines of my heart. Civilians slaughtered and tens of thousands fleeing Ethiopia. God help us. Pandemic fatigue that seems relentless. And more and more and more people we begin to personally know whose lives are being changed. Not for the good. Moral failures of religious leaders in recent weeks. Racial frictions that seem unhealable. Angry factions that create cultural toxicity. The sudden death of a teenager in one of our high schools. A 35-year-old wife loses her battle to brain cancer. No wonder it's very tempting, isn't it? It's tempting to rush to Christmas. But don't do it. Don't give in to the temptation. 
If there was ever a year we needed to not rush to Christmas, where we, where we need to sit with our waiting hearts, this is that year. And that is why Isaiah 64 is being read around the world today on Hope Sunday. Because Isaiah's words do not afford you and me the luxury of hiding from the darkness. This is what's happening. It's the 6th century B.C., right about in the middle of that time frame. And Israel now has been allowed to return from Babylon captivity to home. And they make their way to Jerusalem, and when they get there, they're caught off guard. They were not prepared for what they faced. The losses were many, and the grief was, and in this passage, is palpable. And they found themselves, expecting to go home to glory, they found themselves staring in the dark. They seem to be us. Or maybe we are them. This word that we heard today was written in the shadow of the rubble of a temple that's no longer standing. Quite literally. From the rubble of broken dreams and dashed hopes and uncertain tomorrows. Later on in this chapter, in verse 11, Isaiah writes, Our holy and glorious temple where our ancestors praised you has been burned with fire and all that we treasured lies in ruins. Have you ever felt like all that you treasured was lying in front of you in ruins? But today, today is Hope Sunday. Yes, it is. But to get to hope, we are forced to face the same questions that these people were asking. We're forced to face the same questions that the people who were asking right before the birth of Jesus. Maybe the same questions that your neighbors and maybe even you asked. Maybe if it was even just yourself. As you prepared for Thanksgiving that was not what you had wanted or that you had hoped for that was more virtual than real. Or maybe it's really ongoing questions we all face in the hardness of life. Why do things not change? Why does it seem like the wicked always win? Where is God in the middle of this? can't tell you how many times I've been asked that as a pastor for three decades. And where is hope? Real questions. So we hear a prayer of people who groan. Our cry is the same desperate cry of the prophet in verse 1. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. The image is literally God ripping open the skies and coming down. If we want to actually land on Christmas Day singing joy to the world, my friends, we must get a good glimpse of the deep sadness in the world, even in our lives. And there we realize, as we take a deep look this year, we realize that this Advent Christmas season is going to be different. It is different as we sit in the rubble of what has been 2020. 
Let earth receive her king is the verse of joy to the world that we want to declare. But are we ready to receive him as our king? We have spoken much about his kingdom in recent weeks, but the kingdom of God must begin with becoming a willing recipient, having a willingness to receive the king himself, to wait in faith for the king himself. Will I receive Jesus as king and Lord even in the dark? Even in the dark. We are waiting between the already and the yet to be. The king has come and the king is coming. But along with the posture of waiting is our posture of receiving. It's necessary. In Advent and in all of life, we need to be open to be receiving from God. And as we are and as we do receive our King, hope is born within us. That's what this passage teaches me. It teaches me that in the dark, a posture of receiving is necessary. As I find myself in this land between, between what is and what will be, there are gifts of grace from God to receive. And these people teach me that in these strange words. Again, notice, notice their plea. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your known, name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains quaked at your presence. These people are staring at the worst case scenario of their lives. The dream that has evaporated before their eyes who bear the weight of sorrow over what is lost and they still cry out to God with expectation. They still turn to him with faith. They turn to him with raw, naked, unafraid, authentic faith. They still look to him with anticipation. They still place trust in him in the midst of the darkness. Their context is the furthest thing from joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. In fact, they are wondering exactly where he is at the moment. The captivity has stolen their song of joy, it seems. But you see, their desperation in this passage, their honest lament, their hard questions that they ask, all of that reveals confidence in God. See, I've come firmly to believe at this stage of my life that the greatest doubts I wrestle with are the best seeds of faith. And that was true for them. You see, they know one thing. They know that the world around them, the culture around them, the society around them, the systems around them, the structures around them, what they know is that none of that will offer them the strength and the comfort and the hope that they need within them. 
If hope is going to come from somewhere for these people and for us, it must come from outside of them. It must come from outside of us. It must come from God. And they know that. That is what they know. And that is what they teach me. As we live in the rubble of what has been 2020, we want to know how to fix it. We want to know how to fix the situations and the problems. We want to know how to fix the sins. We want to know how to fix the world. We want to know how to fix the politics. We want to know how to fix the church. We want to know how to fix it. We want to know how we can do that. We want answers. We want control. So as Dr. Michael Jackson said, so let's find a vaccine. Let's get the right leaders elected. Let's figure out how to work for justice. Let's get the economy going. But if we look for answers in ourselves and the structures and systems and values of the world, all we will find is more of the same darkness. So these people teach me what is needed. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. They teach me that on my own, I am simply not enough. On our own, we're simply not enough. We need God. We need God. He himself is our only hope. Not an idea of God. Not an idea of faith. Not an idea, but we need God himself. Because he's the one who meets us in the dark. Our ideas of God may fade away. And we may struggle in the place of doubt and difficulty. What we need is the very presence of God through Jesus Christ. Eugene Cho wrote these words, Hope is not that God guarantees us a life of ease, bliss, and perfection, but that in all seasons, trials, and circumstances, God is with us. Even through the challenges of this year, this is our hope. Jesus is our hope. We need Christmas. We need Christmas, not an idea about Christmas. Not our idea of Christmas. We need Christmas. We need God. So where do you go when you're most desperate for peace and comfort and hope? Where do you go? In this mixture of struggle and faith, we find ourselves joining these ancient people calling for the real God. For the real God to show up, the God we know to be the true king, to show up in our lives and our world. And like them, to do that, we must place ourselves in the grip of God, in the shaping, molding, grace-birthing grip of God. And he shapes us, and he holds us, and he grips us with his love and with his grace because there's one more thing that these people knew. You see, they knew who they were waiting for. Beginning with verse 8, the prophet says, Yet you, O Lord. Just stop there a minute. 
Scott Daniels writes in our devotional that this yet is the yet of Advent hope. This is the yet of Advent hope. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. And that is where they find their hope. And that is where we find our hope. We find our hope in the God who loves us. We find our hope in in this truth that God, who loves us, is not a far-removed deity, but as the one who claims us as his own. This is the king we are to receive. We do not know the answer to so many questions we face, Advent questions. We do not. I can give you all kinds of theological and philosophical responses to these questions, but at the end of the day, when we're sitting with them in the dust of life, we struggle with these questions and the answers to them. We don't have answers to them. Why does God seem so absent right now? Why the suffering of so many innocents on a mass scale? Why such brokenness around us that doesn't seem it can be fixed? Oh, I can give you theological responses, but theological responses are empty in the darkness and the dust sometimes. We don't know the answers, but we do know this. Through faith in Christ, we belong to the one who holds us. Through faith in Christ, we belong to the one who said to these same people and to us in Isaiah 46, I am he, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. He is the same one who said this, look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. He is the same one that was described by St. Peter in the book of Acts in that great sermon when Peter says, then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus for the final restoration of all things as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. You see, this is what it means to follow Jesus now. We are Advent people We are waiting for that day when all things will be made right. But we do wait in the dark. We do mourn with those who mourn. We do lament and we grieve and we do look at our world and our heart breaks for the wreckage sin has left. The rubble is all around us. But as Fleming Rutledge went on to say, all we know is that there is this rumor This hope, this expectation about the final breaking in of God upon our darkness. In verse 4 we read, From ages past no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. Who works for those who wait for him. So my friends, we wait. 
We hold our hands out to receive the grace that only God can give us. We turn to him with our longing, but also with faith and expectation that he will indeed meet us. And we wait because we remember one thing. Contrary to everything we see, there is a God who still cares for you and me, for us. The God who is with us, the God who will sustain us. And we have an unshakable hope that he will break in upon us and make all things right. Jen Giles Kemper captured it when she said, this is what Advent asks from us. We are invited to draw in and be expectant, to inhale and be patient, to do what's hard and holy. As we enter this time marked by longing, may we not forget to exhale. Yes, let us name our fears and allow ourselves to be influenced by something more powerful. So yes, today is Hope Sunday, and for good reason. We are waiting for the King to come and to make all things right. And we wait with the King, receiving his grace for us each and every day. So yes, yes, joy to the world. Let us receive our King, even in the dark even in the dark. He finds us, and we find him. Thanks be to God. Amen.